My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. And so it's like it releases you from yourself. That's what we need to be. I need to be released from myself every single day, Susan. Mm -hmm. And a way to do it is to realize that hospitality is about the guest, not about the host. What, how, and the, and the purpose is how can I serve them? Not how can I impress them? Hey friend, welcome to the podcast. Are you wondering if Jesus is done with you? Well, he is not. When our nest empty, we get to serve him in new places and new ways. Never has the church needed us more. So let's get busy because we're not done yet. Welcome to the We're Not Done Yet podcast. I am so excited today to have for my guest, Sue Donaldson. Thank you for being with us today, Sue. Thank you so much, Susan. It'll be easy to remember your name, I hope. Thank yeah. you. Well, we had so much fun chatting. Um, we almost forgot to record this podcast. We were <laughs> talking so much before we got started. So Sue and I are going to have a great time talking today, and we're glad you're here to join us. Sue is a speaker and author and lives with her husband, Mark, in San Luis Obispo, California. She taught high school English part of the time in Brazil, which that sounds exciting, with Wycliffe Bible translators. She and her husband, Mark, have raised three daughters who keep them at the bank and on their knees. Sue loves connecting people to one another, to God and to his word, and has been speaking for the last 20 years or so with long pauses for babies, diapers, and soccer pasta parties. She blogs at Welcome Heart, Knowing and Showing the Heart of God, and hosts a weekly podcast, Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life. And I will have links for all those things on the show notes. And Sue, um, I look forward to talking to you today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So when your first, uh, when your kids first left home, when your daughters left home, did you find yourself struggling at all with the emptiness? Um, no. <laughs> Is that a bad answer? No, it's not a bad answer. Doesn't mean I hated my kids. I always cry even now when they leave after being home for dinner or something, even if they made me do their laundry. I do it gladly. I um my kids were spaced out four, three years apart, then four, and um, they are communicators. They're all girls, so they're they call a lot. Mm-hmm. And but I guess in answer to your question, I I have been doing um, like teaching women's Bible study off and on. Like I said, long pauses are speaking for women's retreats, uh, writing uh, and blogging. I've been blogging since two thousand eight, so that was a long that was before my oldest graduate from college anyway. So um, I I felt like I was, my life was full and is full. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think I grieved their leaving and I still, uh, I still get sentimental over the past, but I'm too busy to stay there or get stuck in it. And I don't mean busy in a bad way. I think busy can be a bad thing, too busy for God, too busy to engage with other people. But I'm busy in a hearty, fulfilled way. So I'm mm-hmm. very happy with that. 
Oh, that's so good. When you had that increased time in the Mm -hmm. empty nest, um, had you already started your blog and your website and that stuff while your kids, your daughters were still at home? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And, um, yeah, everything was new. I mean, someone would tell me about She Speaks. I went to She Speaks in 2016. And then someone would tell me uh, about starting a website years years ago. They said that because I said my main thing is speaking. And so this um, elder at our church said, so do you have a website so people will know that you're a speaker? And I said, yeah, I just hired my nephew and he set it up. So that was 2008. So that was long before my kids left. and. Um, it wasn't like it was a hobby, but your family is your main thing because they're right there demanding your time and attention. And I, but I didn't get married till I was 35. So I was used to having my own thing. Um, even though I wanted to get married, God gave me an opportunity to um, teach high school, to teach abroad, to work with Wycliffe Bible translators in administration. And so it was almost a bigger change to get married. And have children. I got a little bored because, you know, a toddler's not that, that exciting. And so that's when I started teaching Bible study because they took a risk on me. I only taught English before. And, and then I started getting more opportunities to speak and things. And then I had more children. So they kind of overwhelm you. And so it was really a bigger switch because your identity, women have trouble, well, everybody does with identity. We think that what we do is who we are. So I was a teacher and I was an administrator and I was a missionary. And then I'm just a wife, you know, so I had to go kind of the opposite. And uh, so what do you do is what people ask you, you know, they do, or where did you go to college? I went to this podunk Baptist school, so I didn't really want the subject to come up, you know, and um, I loved it by the way. And um, it made me who I am because I got to be on stage and give my testimony and all that. So what I'm saying is that change will happen, Susan, you know, transitions Mm -hmm. happen as much as we want to hold on to that light post uh, and don't let things change. The world will pass us by. So that was really my bigger transition. And then when the kids were leaving, I looked at Bonnie's room after she left for USC and I just, I cried a little bit, but I had two other kids to take care of. So when the third one left, um, I just was so already so involved in other people's lives and in writing that I guess I'm not really helping anybody in your audience, but I guess I encourage you to start doing things now mm-hmm. that God has gifted you to do and just take tiny steps in those things. And then it's kind of like, it's kind of like a research for a book. I'm telling people this all the time. If you, if you feel God wants you to write a book, whenever you see something in scripture or you get a, um, and a great illustration from someone in your friend group, you go file it somewhere. And it's like throwing in things. You don't have time to write right now, but you'll have then this set of file folders, whether on your computer or not, or in your brain. You'll forget it if it's in your brain. Let me tell you that. So write it somewhere. And then when the kids all go, you go, wow, now I'm going to do this. And then God will say, no, it's not really what I want you to do. You have to do this. And then mm-hmm. you just become flexible. That's, that's a great testimony. And I think that, that it's fine to not struggle with the emptiness and not everybody does, but then you start hearing about all the moms who are just, you know, devastated by the emptiness and you yep. think, wow, was, yep. is there something wrong with me? And it's like, no, for anybody out there who didn't struggle with the emptiness, that's okay. That doesn't mean you don't love your kids. No. Um, 
But if you're moving on to the next thing you're doing, um, then that's, that's a good thing. Well, Susan, I've talked to a couple of women recently who are either not believers or new to Jesus who are struggling with empty nest. And so for me to meet with them one-on-one and um, show them who God is, is the most important thing any person can find out. Because the more you know God, the more you realize you have purpose at any stage or age. My pastor says, we don't retire, we retread. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and yet I spoke at a retreat last weekend and it was one of the younger moms who said, can I talk to you? Uh, what you said about transition really affected me. Cause I thought I'm talking about the, like the 50, 60, 70 year old in my audience. And she's like 35 and she's struggling with transition. I go, honey, get ready. Flexibility <laughs> is next to godliness, not cleanliness. You know, uh, of course I don't like to, I'm not a good housekeeper, but I like to say, Flexibility keeps you malleable in God's hands. Mm. And he could change our lives dramatically tomorrow with the death of our husbands or no income or our own health. So are you ready to stay on the wagon with God and let him steer you rather than saying, okay, I'm pulling, I'm at the wheel here, God. Now I'm free from my children. Where do I go? No, you're still in the passenger seat. You're just going a different direction. Very, yes, very true. Very true. And, you know, part of why I do this podcast is that I want to encourage women to use their empty nest years well, to minister, to be, build the church, build the kingdom. And your two main subjects, um, I think, are perfect for empty nest moms. And that is hospitality and mentorship. Those are perfect spots for us in this season to jump into. Let's start with hospitality. Why do you think hospitality is so important? Well, hospitality, uh, I was raised with it. And so I was surprised when I got older that not everybody is as at ease with inviting people over. Like my mother was not much of an entertainer. She was more of a casual hostess but she also opened her home to complete strangers all the time. So with me being raised that way, I just figured that's the way you live, right? And I found as a single adult that I would get lonely when I would move to different spots, even in the church, especially as a single person, because people think you have this exciting single life and you don't really. And uh, you want to be part of people's families. So I started inviting people to my house, married women, um, on Saturdays because I worked full time. And I, I became so privileged to be in their lives. They thought I was fun that I would even ask them, but I needed friendship. So by the time I left that church four years later, I had six women who would drop anything to take me to lunch. They didn't pay for it, which was really nice. And so they mentored me. Uh, so that goes into the other subject. And then I went to Brazil, had to make new friends again. But then when I had young children, Dr. Do- I read somewhere, Dr. Dobson said that having Young children is for a mom is like living on a desert island because you feel so isolated. You know, we go to the park and hope somebody says, some somebody talks to us. Well, you know, the world knows this. So they've created all these parent participation groups that have nothing to do with God. And so they're getting friendship, but they're not getting they're not getting intimacy with God. So hospitality was a way for me not to be lonely as a mom. And they would bring their kids and everything would get spilled all over the floor. 
And it didn't matter because we were building into each other's lives. And now, and even then, I would invite Christians and non-Christians because basic needs are the same. We're lonely and um, we don't have to do it. Like, you know, hospitality is, uh, doesn't have to be elaborate to be effective. People just want an invitation. So I think for, um, often I'll start my hospitality workshop with, look, God did not beam you up to heaven once you got saved. You're still here. You don't have to go. I mean, I read about a friend of mine yesterday who's starting seminary. I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm 69. Good grief. I have written my last term paper years ago, but she's doing that. That's her life, right? But you don't have to teach Bible study like you do, Susan. You don't have to teach retreats like I do. You just have to take, invite someone over for coffee. Honestly, you can change the world with a cup of coffee. And you start with the person across the street that you still don't know their name or the names of their kids. And you just say, hey, would you like to come for coffee? It's so it's intimidating at first. But once you see the sim, simplest, simplistic way of doing it, and the more you do it, just like practicing the piano, you get more confident. Yeah. Well, and I think we put, you know, all the, now all the TV shows with all the cooking channels and all the fancy stuff. And you feel like you have to create this feast Mm -hmm. where every study is saying that we live in one of the most isolated, um, lonely societies ever because we're not connecting face to face Mm -hmm. and, and people need that. And Mm -hmm. so what an opportunity, um, whether, and you have different levels of conversation, you know, in our church, you walk in, you might talk going in, little chat going out. But when you have somebody for dinner and you're sitting around the table, you learn their history, you learn what matters to them. And, and that's a whole different level. And what I've learned through the last, I would say, five years even or 10 is uh, to use conversation starters. So I wrote two books. One is a printable. It's like 10 bucks. That's what everybody should buy today. Because it prints off 252 conversation stars and you use them right now with your kids, your little kids or your grandkids uh, or your company's coming. So you ask them to think of a question to ask the guest and it teaches your children and grandchildren how to be hospitable. But the main thing I went to a gathering last night, I have wine nights and I invite uh, Christians and non-Christians over and I ask two questions and one one is a surface funny one and the next one's a little deeper, but it's not about Jesus. But uh, I attended one last night. She was um, learning to do it herself because she's been to ours. And she asked, um, if someone would visit you in this town, where would you take them? Hmm. So then we kind of like took notes on the different things. It was kind of cute. And then the next question was, if you could have an hour with a conversation with someone who's died, who would you, who would that be? And so the last one I had, the, the deeper question was, what's the best decision you've made in the last five years? Mm-hmm. You know, and from this, I've seen women who are empty nesters going, oh, you know, they need to think a little deeper about their life. I have one gal who calls it her Bible study because she doesn't go to church, but she'll come here and mm-hmm. she'll talk about things that matter. And then she stays afterwards. And then I pray with her. So I'm looking forward to that. That yeah. salvation story in the years to come, God willing. But it, so, yeah. that's a whole nother level of white have hospitality. People that will not go to church, Absolutely. but will come to your house. Oh, totally. Um, I, I always say, ladies, think think of the people up and down your block. Would they more likely come over for a slice of banana bread or even a store-bought muffin or a scone from Trader Joe's? Or would they come to the Bible study that you're having in the fall with Beth Moore or you know all these wonderful speakers? No, they've been hurt by the church. They didn't like their parents 
shoving it down their throat or they're shy. I've had people join my study and say, but I don't know the Bible. I go, you're in the right place, you know, but they're at least willing to admit that most people think it or they'll say, that's what the Donaldson's do. They go to church every Sunday. That's not our life, but they'll come for Easter dinner. I just invited our neighbors across the street. Um, I'm not going to invite them to church because Mm -hmm. one goes to her own church and the other is an ex-Mormon. I'm not going to invite them because I don't want them to think they're a project. They're our friends. Yeah, that's so good. So for those of you listening who think either I don't know where to start or maybe have gotten rusty over the years, Mm -hmm. um, we have found that we went through years it seemed like all of our kids were um, dating and getting married all at the same time. And we became very, very family centric with so much going on. We had sure. the dating people coming over and all of a sudden we turned around and we were like, we've got to have people other than our family over to dinner. And so we're getting back into hospitality now, but uh, an article just came out. You and I both write for joyful life blog, which is a great blog for those of you, if you've not looked it up, look up mm-hmm. joyful life. I'm going to have a link to an article that Sue just um, had published. It's amazing. It's called The Simple Guide for Hosting a Dinner Party, a four-week plan for simplifying hospitality. And the thing I loved about this um, this article, Sue, was that you connected everything to the spiritual reason to do it, mm-hmm. the spiritual picture of why we're welcomed in by the Lord. We're invited to his table. So we're just reflecting our Heavenly Father's love by doing the same. But then it also has practical steps so that you give them a one month, four week ramp up to be able to do hospitality. Let me tell you a story. I um, I printed this and had people receive it. And this one gal wrote me, she'd heard me on another podcast with Amber Cullen called Grace Enough. And she's a pastor's wife with seven children up in Vermont. And she emailed me and she said, every Every reason not to do hospitality, I you you shot down in that interview. I go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to shoot anything down. But and so my husband wants us to have people over. So from listening to your podcast, I decided to tell my husband, let's have these two couples over. We didn't wait four weeks. They started with the plan. They did two weeks of the tasks, and they're tiny tasks. And so I just said, we're ready. And my husband. Um, they bought pizzas. See, I wouldn't do that because it's too expensive. And I'm a doctor's wife, I'm not a pastor's wife, but that's how they did it. The two families ended up becoming such close friends, even more than with them. So now she's like so excited to do it over and over again. And there were like a zillion children there, you know, once they had two other families come. And so it's like, it releases you from yourself. That's what we need to be. I need to be released from myself every single day, Susan. Mm -hmm. And a way to do it is to realize that hospitality is about the guest, not about the host. What, how, and the, and the purpose is how can I serve them? Not how can I impress them? Mm. It's so good. It is. It it gets your focus off of yourself. How can Mm -hmm. I love on this person? How can I welcome them in? My favorite time I ever was invited into someone else's house was because it taught me so much was a lady who would just collect people after church and say, come over, come to lunch, come to lunch. She'd end up with 20 people and I got invited. And so I go over there and she's in a double wide and she is, has plastic stuff out everywhere. And she's kind of throwing stuff together as it goes. 
And it was the most precious, lovely time. And it had nothing to do with the menu and had nothing to do. The house wasn't clean enough, according to most people's standards, but it was precious. Mm-hmm. And it, it totally blew out my box of what it meant to have hospitality. Mm-hmm. Well, and it helps too, especially if you're a control freak, which really is the definition of most women and mothers. But um, if you feel insecure, the best thing you can do is to do a little preparation. So if you have something planned uh, in advance, my mom would make the same meal mm-hmm. every Sunday. So we knew we had two roasting chickens in the blue roaster on time bake. So she was a collector every Sunday as well. Any new people would come to our house, which I like because then I didn't have to do the dishes or peel the potatoes because their guests would do it because they wanted to help. But um, so if you have one thing, one meal that you're really good at, just keep using the same meal because the company doesn't know. Yeah, that's so good. And so you have a printable hospitality planner that I'm going to have a link to that uh, you shared with me. Now, is that a purchased product or is that a. a, The planner is a purchased product. The printable prayer and recipe is free. Okay, perfect. Yes. And you, and we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. So another passion subject, I didn't say that very well. Another passion Mm -hmm. subject is mentorship. And um, you say that mentoring needs to be a part of every woman's life. We all know someone a little bit further ahead of us and a little bit behind. We need to pour out what God pours into our lives. And that's so good. But I think a lot of women feel um, that I've talked to, they feel intimidated by the idea of mentoring anybody. They think, I don't, what do I know? Um, But I think it's so important our young women are really hungry for it. So if someone is intimidated by the thought of mentoring, what would you say to them? Well, I talk to people like that all the time. Um, In fact, I have a a retreat series on it. (laughs) But what you do is you pray for courage and then the next, and then look out because God's going to bring a young person your way. And all you have to do is say yes. And then those 10... Uh, and I'm not tooting my own horn here, but the women listening today or whoever listening, they get my 10 worksheets on how to mentor for free if they want. And so these worksheets are just kind of like handholding, like what to do the first time you meet, Mm. um, how to teach someone how to study the Bible. You probably know, but you don't know how to translate your knowledge. That's the difference between knowing something and Mm -hmm. being a teacher. And And a mentor is not just a teacher. A mentor is someone who comes alongside and helps the mentee go where they want to go. It's more of a coach. So you don't have to have your smarts in teaching Bible study, Susan, or a Bible degree. You just have to love. And then you and then there's a sheet, I think, on helping them reach their personal goals. You don't have to tell them what to do. They know they want to change. Mm-hmm. The main thing is they want to change all 10 things at once. And that's not realistic. And you as the older, more experienced person will say, oh, no, dear honey, let's just calm down. We're just going to work on this for three months. (laughs) And also people are intimidated because they uh, feel like they themselves don't know the Bible well enough. But see, that's good for us. I don't either. And I'm old. So I call someone who knows it better and they tell me and then I help the next person. Also, people are intimidated because they don't want to be caught in a mentoring relationship for the next 10 years. 
So I highly recommend, and this is in my book, uh, Table Mentoring, is you start with three months. And you say, I'll meet with you for three months. I had people asking me to mentor them when I had small children. It's like, I, and you have to be on time because I have a nap period where the kids are sleeping, where I can meet with you. And um, so you have to put some boundaries, parameters. And then after three months, I met, I was assigned to someone from our church and I didn't think it was a good fit, but I knew it was going to end in three months. And I knew someone else personally who had her needs more in mind. So I said, why don't you meet with her? And they're still good friends. So that was a success story, but I still stuck it out for three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good. You're not getting married. You're right. just <laughs> deciding <laughs> to meet for a bit. And, and I have found too that that young women, I mean, just the, the value of accountability of having yeah. to show up and go, that's- yeah, I haven't talked to nicer to my husband yet. I need, yeah, we talked about that last time and I really need to try yeah. some of that. Um, you know, that there's value just in that, mm-hmm. just in and, showing up. And I've had people, young gals say, could we meet? I'll say, well, let's meet one time and we'll see what your needs are. And it turned out we only met that one time. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle she was having in her marriage. Um, and then another gal, she's kind of loosey goosey in her personality, which I am as well. And I said, well, I'm willing to meet with you, but only once a month. And we did that for maybe three or four months. And then through COVID, we didn't meet at all. And then we met recently, about two months ago, she'll come over and she's vegetarian. So I got to think about it a, a bit. Mm-hmm. But it was, we talked for like two and a half hours because we had to catch up, but we don't have anything on the calendar, but I still consider her my mentee and she'll reach out every once and say, I'm having a neighbor over. What shall I say about this? So it doesn't have to be tight. Like you have 16 disciples that you're working with. Mm -hmm. It's just too much. So for the woman who goes, okay, I'm willing, but nobody's asked me to be their mentor. Mm. How could they get started? Again, prayer, I would go to your pastor or director of women's ministry and say, do you have any woman that you think I would, uh, would be able to be an encouragement to? They would probably love that. Go to your college pastor. I mean, I could ha- we could have college students at our house every night. We live in a college town, Cal Poly University. And so our college group has what they call um, adopt a college student. And the first gal who who started it, she was a college student. She came over and interviewed me and another friend because we, I guess, because we knew a lot of people in the church, but this was um, 20 years ago, maybe 25. And so I go, well, what do you do, Erin? And she goes, well, I'm studying um, old people. I forgot what the fancy word is for that. Geriatrics or something like that. And also uh, preschool education. And I said, okay, well, I have preschoolers and I'm old, so I'll adopt you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so we went to her wedding. She helped me with my kids. She now has three kids of her own. They all stopped by last year. I mean, she is a gem. So to go and tell your college pastor, I'd love to have a college girl, maybe three come for dinner and see if it's a fit. If they really want to, if they want to come back, say, okay, how about Monday of the next month? You know, and because they get home cooked food, they get someone to listen to them. You get wide eyed wondering what they're going through. And you can say, hey, I just want to pray for you. So we've adopted Anna in December. And she and her uh, roommate are coming for Easter because they can't go home because it's not spring break. And she walks my dog for me. And she's going to stay at our house when we go to a family reunion next month. 
So there's, you know, there's back and forth, but if you don't have someone to mentor, pray about it and God will bring someone your way. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. We, we often, uh, I think, I think having been a mom for so long, we're so used to just solving the problem that we can forget to just ask Jesus what his answer is. Okay. So two questions I like to ask all of my guests. The first one is what habit or practice has helped you keep moving forward with the Lord through the years? It sounds kind of boring, but it's my quiet time. I spend, and it's harder when your kids are little, but um, I keep a basket of retreat tools. I call them retreat in a basket with a handle. So you could pick it up and move to another room. If your husband comes in or if the neighbor is, you know, leaf blowing or snow blowing wherever you live. And I, um, I start with a gratitude list of what I was thankful for, what God did the day before. So I enter his gates with Thanksgiving. And then I do um, either a Bible study, whatever I'm working on, or a devotional book and take notes on that and pray through all that. So it could be five minutes. It could be 20. Mm-hmm. So it's not long. But if I'm not in touch with God, I have nothing worth giving. Mm-hmm. And that's true with everybody. And uh, that's why the, the retreat, the, um, re- the mentoring materials is called pouring out because if you're bumped, you want what comes out of the teacup to be Jesus, not your own disgruntledness, which can be for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not like having a quiet time. I'm perfect angel during the day, but you asked what was the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And the second most important thing is to have a core group of friends that you can pour your heart out when you um, are mad at your husband or, um, and yes, I still get mad at him after 34 years. So, oh, well, and if you feel like God is changing your direction, you need to have prayer. I mean, you and I were talking about that before we went on to record that we need to pray for each other so that we hear God's voice, Yes, you know, and we give counsel to one another and then we lift that counsel to God. And um, if you don't put meeting with friends on the calendar, it will not happen. So do it four months in advance, one every month. And at least you'll see your best friends once a month. Mm -hmm. Life gets away from us and we don't have that much time left. Yeah. And the time now is getting um, more important. We need to be, we, we need to be staying strong. Okay. And then the other one is what book would you recommend to my listeners? Oh, I read this about every five years. It's called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Oh gosh, I haven't read that in years. I know. I first read it in college, which was years ago. And I remember at the last page, I just knelt down and cried. He was so amazing. And he started the China Inland Mission. This was written by his kids, but it's called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And uh, every time I read it, I'll try to put the date in the front. It hits me. It's like reading a devotional each chapter. And um, he's, he was so surrendered and his life was hard. And yet he started that, you know, there's a, there are thousands of Christians in China and it all started probably with Hudson Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I have to go back, find that one. I bet my, I bet my copy has yellow pages in the whole thing. Well, so, if you can't okay. find it, I find I buy books on thriftbooks.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good site. Okay, so speaking of books, 
you have four books, you've self-published them. And um, we've talked a lot. I've, a lot of my guests on here have self-published and as I have. I think that's a wonderful way for us to be able to get great information out. Um, so come to my table, God's Hospitality and Yours. I assume that's a book on hospitality. And there's about 60 tips and there's 75 recipes besides oh, all the recipes too. The inspiration. Yeah. Not that I'm such a great cook, but I do like to eat. And so, um, and there's the inspiration, the motivation, the reason we do hospitality is because God invited us first. That's so good. And then hospitality 101 lessons from the ultimate host, a 12 week Bible study. Right. And this is a great study to do. I've done it with a couple of Catholic friends. It reveals who God is and his heart for you. Then you RSVP to him because he's the host. So what is your response to who he is? That's in each chapter. And then there's a tiny little hospitality bit of homework at the end of each chapter. And then another recipe. So 12 recipes. And um, when groups of women do this, I've had them contact me and then I'll call them and do a FaceTime call with them for free in the middle of the study and answer questions. It's a blast. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. Table mentoring, a simple guide to coming alongside. Right. And it's just a workbook on how I was mentored and how I began mentoring when I was a high school teacher years ago. I started with uh, juniors. I had taught them as freshmen and I just sort of made up my own style. And then I pulled a lot of mentors and mentees and what it did for them and how it helped them. So it's a practical guidebook, guidebook mainly on how to mentor. Okay. So that woman we were talking about that's terrified to get started. That would be a great resource yeah. for her to yeah. get some ideas. Yeah, get, get over her fears. Um, and it's not very long. Mm-hmm. And if she has any questions, she can email me at sue at welcomeheart.com. And then the last one, say something special. 252 conversation starters, the ultimate guide to stimulating table talk. That sounds fun. It is fun. It, it has categories like kids asking kids questions at their little tea parties and birthday parties. Uh, kids asking adult questions at uh, there's a section on faith, uh, faith questions. When you know all there'll be all believers at your table, those questions, it just leads to not wasting your time. I don't like to waste time at a party. If it's boring, I'll leave. But if it's your own party, you have control over uh, helping the conversation be more meaningful and significant to that person and to yourself. I've had non-Christian neighbors say, nonchalantly. Well, I like coming to your house for coffee because I just feel special afterwards. Well, what they feel is the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. not me, my other friends. Uh, and we talk about things that matter. It matters to them too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very good. Okay. So um, listeners, we also have a gift that Sue is offering. Um, I will have a link on the show notes um, and it will be on my website for this podcast um, episode. And it is a link that has um, two different gifts. What are the two things they can? The first get there? one is just a simple prayer to get a hospitable heart in case you're feeling like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Uh, it is a command, by the way, and not by me. So, yes, you do need to pray that prayer. <laughs> and guess what? Hospitality is work. It's, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. Um, Jill Briscoe once said in a meeting where I was listening to her and she said, hospitality is 
work, but somebody's got to do it. And that's us. We're all called to be hospitable in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And then there's a recipe, but I can't remember what recipe it is. And then uh, the second offering is those 10 worksheets, uh, which I sell for $3.99, but they're free for your listeners. How wonderful. How generous. So y'all want to head on over, go to my website. I'll have the link. It will take you to Sue's website. Um, and you won't be able to find those unless you take get the special link from my show notes to get to those free gifts. So that will be a wonderful thing. You can also find her four books. I will have that linked as well, but they are on her website. And so all of these great resources, we all, as Sue said, need to obey that command to be hospitable. That is from Jesus, um, not from a society page. That is that is <laughs> what the church is supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be hospitable to one another. And then also from mentoring. Um, we are older women. That just, that's who we, that's who we be. And we need to fulfill um, that role in the church and do it well. So um, grab right. those resources from Sue um, and, and just get started. Isn't that the thing? It's scary until you do it. It's scary until you do it. And um, I wanted to say that we will all be older by, you know, breakfast tomorrow morning. So don't fight <laughs> the age thing. Uh, just make sure you have a good breakfast that you've thought about preparing. And then the other the other thing is, is that I have a free Facebook group on hospitality. Um, over 600 people talking about recipes and fears and angst and tips. It's fun. So come on over to Welcome Heart. Welcome home. If you are on Facebook, you're more than welcome to join us. Thank you so much, Susan. Yeah, great. I'll put a link to that Facebook group as well. Great. Thank you, Sue. Um, I... I can't agree more with your subject, and I'm so grateful that you are out there putting out this great information. Thank you for taking the time to be here today. Thank you so much, Susan. Thanks for joining me today. Check out my website, susankmacias.com, to find more encouragement and to be empowered toward taking your next step. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Susan K. Macias. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen on. Subscribe and share it with a friend who needs some encouragement to pursue God's call. And what about you? What's Jesus calling you to do? Be brave. Take a baby step. Do the next thing. Because you're not done yet. 